Hello, hello. This is Postgres FM. I'm Nikolai and my co-host is Michael. Hi, Michael. Hello, Nikolai. And today we are talking about corruption, right? Yeah, absolutely. Database corruption. Technical corruption. Yeah. No money involved unless you need to pay some consultants a lot of money to fix it or at least to understand what's happening and how to escape from it. Because sometimes you cannot fix, you need just to escape and lose some data and save what you want and so on, right? Yeah, these can be some pretty horrible stories, can't they? Every now and again, I see somebody mailing one of the mailing lists or popping up on one of Discord on Slack or something like that. And they, they say something along the lines of, I'm getting this error message, help. And you can just tell, you, you just, your heart sinks and you think, oh, they're in trouble here. This could be bad. Right. Let's start maybe from what corruption is. Mm -hmm. What definition do you have in your mind? Because I've heard various kinds of definition. Yeah, good point. I guess it's a, a few categories of issue. There's some things on the, the subtler side, which are like incorrect information coming back, let's say for a query, all the way through to the database not starting. You've probably got one written in front of you, but... I guess it's data not being stored on disk in the way it was supposed to be. Something along those lines? Yeah, well, we, we can distinguish particular type of corruption called data corruption. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that is quite broad, but I think it's quite a good definition. Uh, you wrote something, you asked database to write something, you try to read it, and you cannot read it, or you read something else, and so on. For example, you wrote zero, but uh, when you read it, it's, uh, it's one. This yeah. is corruption. But uh, if you cannot read it and you have some error instead on just no response at all, well, sometimes it can be called corruption, but sometimes if server is down, it's not corruption, it's just it's down, right? Or it's not working well at all and have some bug or something. Some people can name this corruption as well, but it probably doesn't involve any wrong data writes or data reads, maybe just uh, like server itself, itself is not working properly. And data is fine on disk, for example, it's not, there's no real corruption there. But if, if we apply this quite broad definition, you wrote something, but you cannot read it or read something else. A lot of cases can be called corruption, but which are not really corruption. Right? So, so I, I'm struggling to find very good definition for corruption. Well, I think probably if we got given 100 cases and we had to categorize them into corruption and not corruption, we'd probably agree on 98 or 99 of them. It feels like there's quite generally accepted cases. Should, should we go through some of like the more common ones? How do you want to do this? Yeah, definitely. First of all, data corruption uh, can be in heap, in tables, mm -hmm. for example, and it's not uncommon because still a lot of databases have data checksums disabled, right? Because you need yep. specifically enable them. They have, this has overhead, some managed Postgres providers enable them by default, some don't. But if you install Postgres, if you installed it many years ago, it's hard to switch to data checksums on because basically you need the uh, DB and dump restore, or you need to do some, play some tricks and we can discuss it with some extension. But it's not easy if you have a big database under load and the maintenance window is not welcome. It's hard. You postpone. I see many cases when people keep postponing this, living with, without check, data checksums enabled. So they probably have data corruption in table files. 
easily. It can be also in toast files, which also part of data files. Yeah. Then it can be in various other places. For example, in indexes. And yeah. let's discuss this in depth, like in detail a little bit later. But now just let's walk around and see how, what else can be corrupted. Visibility map can be corrupted. Yeah, right? a bit more niche that one, I guess. But the, the other major category, I've seen a lot, like I say, it seemed like I've heard a lot of people that have had tables data corrupted, indexes corrupted. It, it seems to be the most common one to me, especially recently with the drama around version 14. But the other one that I see quite often is backup file corruption. And oh, that, yes. that catches people out. Yes. And let's talk about this in detail as well. Now let's just collect ideas for our episode. And uh, I also can be, what can be corrupted? Uh, wall files potentially can be corrupted. But fortunately for ages, we have data checks, uh, wall record checksums ah. en enabled. Everyone has it enabled. It's well ready. That's why we don't hear a lot about wall corruption. If you think also about levels, for example, data, you write something to the table. Corruption might happen in, at software. It might also happen at lower software file system, for example. It might happen in hardware. Mm -hmm. So that we have also layers. We, we have verticals and we also have horizontal classification. It's like metrics. We can, when we say, uh, data files corrupted well but what if at protocol level something happened you uh, you are writing zero but protocol substituted to, to one you have data check something enabled I, I, I like it's crazy it's it's probably not going to happen but I'm just trying to explain the, about le levels so protocol replaced your value right and then uh, Postgres wrote with data checksums enabled, everything is fine, checksum is fine, file system is fine, disks are fine. No corruption, right? But it already happened at upper level. Yeah. Right? And you haven't even mentioned operating systems, I think. And I, that's it's like right, right. one of the major. Yeah. So it's, right. there are so many places. Your application, if, if application took some value from uh, user input and then replaced it, Postgres... Uh, cannot notice it because it's already very upper level, but we won't be talking about uh, application level. Uh. Yeah, let's, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think if Postgres has been told to store a certain value and then it returns that same value, we're not talking about corruption. So if the application uh, is to blame, I think that's out of the scope for me of the definition right. here. Cool. Right. Also, uh, replication, both logical and physical might have issues and it might spread some corruption, for example. It, well, well, of course, if some data is corrupted on the primary, it, it will be easily spread if you use physical. But interesting point here, if you use logical, probably you'll be fine. It's, it depends, of course. Well, I was going to say you could have different corruption on each. Like They could be exactly the same. They could be different. All combinations seem to be possible. But yeah, really good point that logical can help avoid some of the types of corruption spreading. Makes sense. But equally, I've had problems, like I was reading up on a thread by a TripAdvisor uh, thread a while back, where I think it was actually replication that was part of the problem. It was replicating between two systems as part of an upgrade, but the replica was on a different operating system, and that ended up causing corruption. 
So it almost certainly was GLBC related. I can't remember the details though. Yeah, well, maybe to finish with upper level when application corruption happens, I remember I had a very weird case when uh, my scripts based on psql uh, returned one value while application had different so different value from database and uh, I, application was java you know this meme uh, ground is java and all junior developers looking as goats they are all on tree so it was java it was a quite good customer and uh, they asked me like i trust psql much more of course what happens in Java with all those like Spring, everything, Hibernate, like a lot of stuff there. What's happening here? And But then I noticed that in Dbeaver, value is the same as in Java. And I think maybe we have an issue with psql, maybe some bug. But then I realized uh, Dbeaver also Java. Yeah, good point. So if you use GDBC, Driver. Yeah. It, has, it has some like extra flow digits or something. So numbers uh, look differently sometimes and you just need to change this and you'll be fine. So this also kind of corruption to me because like I expect one value, but it's, it's, it's really at upper level. The stored value was fine. PSQL showed it well. It's called extra flow digits. The default in Postgres is not the same as default in GDBC. And this is how you can easily get corruption. If you don't notice it, it okay, it's, it's good that I noticed it. But if you write some application and your application does notice it, switching from uh, GDBC and to other things like libpq and, and ODBC, for example, switching back and forth can cause corruption if you read something and uh, write to different place, to different table, mm -hmm. you will have different results. It's corruption. Just uh, causing by lack of knowledge about this setting. Mm -hmm. Just realized we forgot to say that this was a, this was a listener request, and um, oh they yeah, did, yeah, yeah. They so thank you for that, and they they mentioned they were interested in like what kind of types of corruption there are, how to detect it, how to fix it, how to safeguard from it, and even are there any performance penalties to some of those safeguards? So that's an interesting question. I feel like it's hard to carry on without talking about. Well, they asked types of it. I think we've covered that a little bit, but it would be easier to keep going by talking about how can we detect it or like how do we generally yeah. find out about this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, let's let's dive into specific types of corruption. But but uh, to to f finalize this uh, like overview of types mm -hmm. of corruption, I I must admit that it's one of the topics when you know like this saying: the more I learn, the more I understand that I don't know anything. It's the topic where you can easily realize that, oh my, this also can happen, this can happen. And then you already have feeling that uh, there should be ma many more types of and kinds of corruption, which we probably keep being unnoticed by everyone, right? But at some point, we start talking about them. So we had a few uh, sessions uh, on Postgres TV also, including with Andrei Borodin, where we discussed in detail various things. I will try to mention a few approaches. And also, I have a couple of documents where we try to summarize a lot of links, tools, and uh, also mitigation issues, monitoring approaches, and so on. So where do you want to start? Heap, index, uh, anything else? Well, or even, as you said, some of those links could be useful. I, I was looking at the Postgres wiki. I thought it had a really good page on corruption. It's good, but it's very, very limited. I agree, but they make roughly the same point as you, which is 
almost by definition, a lot of cases of corruption are quite unique. If they happened all the time, hopefully there'd be things in place to mitigate them. So the people designing software systems really don't want this to happen. This is like, when we spend quite a lot of episodes talking about things like performance, but performance doesn't matter at all. If you're, you know, it's like quite, this is quite a low level need. This is something people come to databases and really want. If you, if you say, oh, our database is a thousand times faster, has loads of other benefits, but there's like a 5% higher chance of corruption or, I don't even know how those numbers would work, but this is a really like basic need. This is something that Postgres I think has quite a good reputation on generally, but we still have some quite famous cases of, of issues. So yeah, I thought it was a good starting point that, that wiki article, I'll link it up as well, but you're right. It's, it's not huge. Definitely. And when we talk about corruption, I always start also from that article. It's like, it has some very core uh, knowledge and in the first lines you will see First rule, if you try to fix something, make a backup of your data directory or backups or what you have. Like Because with trying to investigate and fix it, you are going to use uh, some mm, interesting risky tools and approaches. Some of them probably are not working well and you may make harm additionally or just lose everything. So you need to start uh, with back additional backup of everything. Yeah, if you can, copy everything and make notes of what you're changing if you can't. There's two things though, right? It, firstly, you can make things worse. Like you can end up in an unrecoverable state when you were in a recoverable state previously. And the second thing is, even if you do recover, if you don't have a copy of what it was like in a corrupt state, you might struggle to understand what the root cause was, or there might be some useful information in there for working out what caused this. And it also, I think it says quite early on, you might want to contact professionals for this. So most of us in our day-to-day work who aren't consultants, I count myself in this, don't see this often, if ever, in our careers. Hopefully, you'll never see this in your career. But consultants get called about this. I don't know, you could tell me the exact number, but probably at least monthly, like seeing different cases of this kind of thing. So there are people that have seen this dozens of times, if not hundreds of times in their career. So you might want to lean on their services and it's probably worth it financially to pay somebody to help you. With this it's it's one of the topics which for consultants, uh, like my team and I uh, like to do because this um, clients have fears. If you explain properly what kind of fears they should have, they they easily have them. And of course, uh, they they so usually they are ready to, to invest into improving things. For example, improving monitoring and mitigation and so on. Let's start from backups, probably. I find that as probably one of the easiest place. Backups without proper testing are like Schrodinger backups, right? Because nobody yeah. knows if they are working. And of course, all backups should be tested. Of course, it requires some resources. You need to provision virtual machines, for example, and test them and so on. You need to test recovery from a backup. And uh, usually it means uh, like, uh, usually physical backups, they have full backup plus maybe Delta backups and also wall stream, stream of 16 or 64 uh, megabyte walls. So when we test, we need to test uh, full backups, Delta backups, and also we need to test all walls and point in time recovery until the very last point before next backup started. So it's like, it's a lot actually to to test because otherwise probably full backups is working, but later in the day, for example, you have daily backups and you test full backup is working, but then some wall is uh, missing, for example, or corrupted or something. Well, wall corruption might be 
something which won't happen as we discussed, but uh, the backup tool compressing walls with some in, inno- innovative compression might cause corruption of like you cannot restore it, for example, and a full backup test passed, but some wall later, if you don't test whole stream for until next full backup, you probably also won't be able to restore until some point, until the latest point usually we need to win. Yeah. In my experience, larger companies tend to have this down. They tend to be have a process for doing this on a semi-regular basis, if not very regular basis. It's somebody's job to do the full run of this every couple of weeks or every couple of months depending on how like depending on how serious every it is. day it should be the same frequency as a backup creation oh you think i'm sure oh, if you automate it if you so you're talking about you, an automated everyone process. must automate it otherwise backup uh, backup system is super weak that's what, what, what when people say uh, untested backups are not backups this is it you, you need to test all backups uh, of course you need to pay for it unfortunately and all walls, including all walls. But a lot of people, I, I think there's a lot of, especially smaller companies, startups that either have never tested a backup or did it once as like a, a one-off. Or they just trust RDS and that's it. Or... Yeah, exactly. That's another good point about only having backups in one place, right? Like but how, how can we be sure that RDS tests all backups properly? Or that they're not corrupt, right? How do you know they're not being stored in a way that's accidentally... You need to test to restore. Oh, by the way, when you restore, like there are also some levels. First, you restore and can reach a recovery point and Postgres is working, like uh, accepting connections queries, right? But then you usually, we think, okay, what about data in this restored Postgres? Maybe something wrong, right? Maybe corruption from production uh, propagated to backup. And here we usually, like very simple trick, you need to dump it fully to DevNull, causing reads of all data, data files, but not indexes, by the way, right? And dumping, it's very, it's like, it sounds silly probably, but this is a very good approach just to cause reading of all files. It might take a long time. While this, you need to pay cloud for these resources. Resource consumption is significant here. But this is the only option to test backup and see it definitely works, right? So backup recovery works, point-in-time recovery to any point in the day works, and we can read uh, data. But reading data, it's already verification of data files, not recovery itself, not restoration process. Right. It's already beyond backups, but this is a good place. If you have backup verification automation, at least some, like maybe not every time, but sometimes this is a good point where you can start testing various things, including data corruption risks and index corruption risks as well. Yeah. And also worth mentioning some like larger companies you mentioned, they have some additional replica, for example, it might be delayed replica used sometimes to quickly recover accidentally mistakenly deleted files deleted records in database. So they have, for example, a replica which lags some hours, like six hours or four hours, always behind. And this replica usually, of course, it's based on wall shipping. And this replica can be considered as a test tool for wall stream. You still need to test recovery of full backups, but walls are tested by this replica. Or you can install database lab engine 
and it will be reading for walls and also can, if, if it's down, there is a problem with walls. So it's a complex system to test backups. Yeah, that sounds good. And it's a really good point that these can be corrupted and the best way to check is see if you can restore it. S3 can have problems as well. To store backups in object storage is very good because S3 or GCS, they have very reliable storage so they don't lose data. But uptime might be worse than EBS volumes, for example. So when you test it, you need to understand that sometimes it's slightly down, but they won't lose your data. This is a very good thing. So some retries logic needs to be implemented. It's, it's like it's a whole project to test backups properly. But okay, let's shift to data checksums probably and then then talk about indexes because I think these topics are narrower. So data checksums should be enabled. Of course, there is some penalty overhead you need to pay for it, but in my opinion, they should be enabled everywhere. There is also PG checksums, uh, which uh, as I remember, all new versions, it, they have it in, it's, it's a country model, right? And it helps you enable checksums and there is a recipe so you can do it on replica first and perform switchover and then cover all existing replicas. So like with very small downtime, close to zero, it's possible. But for older versions, this tool, PG checksums, didn't exist. But there is a third party. This tool is available for all the Postgres versions. And it's also possible to use it uh, with replication, follow, switchover, achieving downtime close to zero. Do you know what that one's called? Uh, also PG checksums, no? Oh, okay, cool. Makes sense. I'll find it and link it up. I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, so they're both called similarly, maybe some difference. I, uh, mm -hmm. I don't remember uh, in detail. But uh, this is it. Like You need to in enable p data checksums uh, and that's it. Like It still doesn't mean, for example, some constraints can be violated silently. Data checksums won't uh, save you from this. It's like upper level corruption. Data checksums will save you from uh, having wrong writes. So you, you wrote something, disk, disk, for example, corrupted, file system has bugs, and then you read something else or cannot read it at all. This is where data checksums uh, are needed. Also, you, you need to choose either to like, there is a setting saying that uh, you need to stop if, if corruption uh, was detected, or you can continue but ha just have some errors in logs. It's interesting. I had very interesting discussions with very experienced people who have good experience with Oracle and uh, SQL Server, and we discussed what, what is better for current business. For example, you have e-commerce, which generates $1,000 per minute, for example, or per second. And you have corruption and you have very good, strong tool and you enabled it and uh, it puts your server down if corruption is detected saying, oh, corruption, fire, right? Of course, you, you'd prefer to continue and if corruption is uh, like limited, yep. you, you don't want to be down at all, right? So, so it's better to know about it, mitigate somehow, but you, you, you want to continue operating. This is interesting, right? And and uh, we also mentioned that some, like SQL Server, they have interesting approach when corruption is found on one node, it can auto-heal getting not corrupted files from replicas, for example, from standby nodes, bringing them interesting. back. Interesting. Let's auto-heal. Postgres does have it, but it's an interesting idea. But like rule of thumb here, enable data checksums. 
If you don't mm -hmm. have them enabled, use this extension to enable. So indexes. Let's talk about indexes. Yeah. Armcheck is yeah, it's a good tool. Very good tool. Well, is it worth quickly covering like what so B tree index specifically, why why do we tend to see more index corruption than heap corruption? Because of collation and glibc version changes, for example, if you upgrade from one Linux, for example, Ubuntu to another, there, there was an article which said like glibc version 2.27 maybe, <laughs> has uh, dangerous changes, so you definitely need to be careful. Uh, oh, and it said other versions are fine. But in my practice, I have zero trust. If we plan OS upgrade, if we plan any upgrade of underlying software glibc, and you can check version LDD dash dash version. You can check version. If we expect uh, this version will change, or we all, if we also play with containers, you might have some binaries in container. Which and if you have container with Postgres, and pitch data is outside of container, probably pitch data was created using different glibc version, and in container you have different. Like it's, if if there is no if there is mismatch here, what can happen? Bitree is built using one order of characters, collation, right? And uh, now we have different order. And uh, you can just, for example, not being able to find some, like you select something and previously you had some rows returned, but now you don't have them at all. And uh, we can distinguish two types of problems here. One is read problems, and another one is propagation of read problems to writes which hurts more, which, because it's permanent. So customers cannot find, they search something and cannot find something. Or they get back incorrect data, right? Like they right. get back data they're not expecting. So that's that's like often how these present themselves. Or as you said, like the right problem, if, we're, if we can end up with duplicates, like we can end up looking for an identifier, it doesn't exist, so we, ins like we insert another one. And it, we don't think it exists because we're looking up like via the B tree lookup. Duplicates is and slightly different problem, not re like not related to the order of uh, or, or glibc version, but it also can happen. Duplicates is a different problem because I, I think because it could be related to because it's like how? isn't it using like the primary key look like because it's isn't it using the B tree for the unique constraint checks? Right, but if order changed, the uniqueness is not violated. Yeah, we, we just change the order of columns in order by. This is a key problem. Cool. Uh, well, my, my understanding is you can also end up with like data being in the wrong partition, for example. Like, so ordering affects quite a few things. Oh yes, things. partition corruption. So, like, I was thinking the index is used for those things, but no. So, so uniqueness violation might happen, and uh, mm -hmm. user actions might cause it sometimes. But I don't see how the order, like. Character order, uh, how order uh, characters can lead to it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't see it. But what can happen in my practice? I saw it. Like what can happen? Wrong order. So user expect one order, having different order, and uh, missing uh, results completely because of some ordering and limits. The results are out of scope and uh, this like mm -hmm. unexpected and so on. And problem big, bigger problem is indeed rights. And if it's some b uh, billing subsystem. You can propagate wrong rights. Uh, some people can uh, not get money, for example, right? Yeah. I was not just thinking, when you gave your e-commerce example, I was wondering what the trade-off would be for, like, let's say, a bank. If you've, yeah, 
but it's so if you're worried about people's like balances being wrong for example is that a different matter but i still think they'd make the trade-off of keeping it up and dealing with the consequences in a lot of cases so it's an interesting question like which applications would choose which yeah yeah but in a- anyway uh, os upgrades are dangerous Right. And containers are slightly dangerous. If you bring PG data, we had it also. We, you bring PG data from different operational system, and you run it. You run your Postgres in container. Well, even without containers, if you just copy PG data between two nodes, and one node is running Ubuntu 16.04, and another is 22.04, you are going to get a trouble because you copy at physical level in this case. You need to copy at logical dump restore. This is where dump restore uh, plays good. Yeah. Because uh, it eliminates the problem completely. And I'm not sure we've said it explicitly since we switched to talking about indexes, but the the tool for checking E-tree index corruption is right. still... I'm check. Right, I'm check. I'm <laughs> check, right. And it has uh, several modes, and the, unfortunately, the proper way to check it is heavy, and you shouldn't do it on production because it requires exclusive lock. This is where you probably need to put it to backup uh, verification system. And after you restore, you run it on all indexes, it will take a lot of time, but you need it to run into using special snippet, which like parent, blah, blah, I don't remember, but it also checks relationship between leaf nodes. And this is where uh, order can be easily broken. So you need this and it will take time. And the uh, funny thing from practice that if you do it at SQL level, it's single threaded. But it's it's not fun if you have a lot of indexes and you have a lot of cores. You usually there is trade-off. It's with backup verification, same trade-off. If it's in cloud, you usually think, okay, I will hire much more powerful machine, but for shorter time, and I will do job much faster and destroy it. So it's it's I mean budgeting here it's interesting for such kind of verification projects. But if you do arm check, don't do it in single thread. Do it utilizing all cores and disks like saturating them because it's a verification machine we we should go full speed nobody's there right if it's so of course but then uh, i i twice i wrote uh, parallelization scripts for it and only then realized that since postgres 12 or 13 maybe 13 there is a cli tool pg i'm check which has dash J. Dash J is for parallelization. So, so, and you can use it for older Postgres as well. Yes, that's a really good point. I think you brought this up. We would, I think we had an episode on index maintenance right. and you made right. you, so we've actually covered Amcheck and this stuff in quite a lot of detail right. for people that want to go back to that one. I'll, I'll link that one up in the show. But it's covered well. even more with our sessions with Andrei Borodin and in, in documents I, I mentioned, we will definitely link to this episode mm-hmm. of these documents and we have table for monitoring and prevention mitigation measures so yeah so and i'm check we see patches to check uh, uniqueness violation there is such patch and but it's not committed yet it's ready for committer and uh, unfortunately it won't be in postgres 16 because it's already almost better next week we have better right better one so, so we've gone past the feature freeze for Postgres 16, right? Right, right. But I hope it will make it into Postgres 17. And uh, I think it's uh, one of the good cases when you can, can start uh, using it before official release and also help testing it. Because uh, on these uh, verification machines, temporary machines where you verify your backups, probably it's you can run like 
not polished software and so on. It's a good point. And what's the worst that like, I guess if it's got bugs, like that's the normal reason to not use it, right? Is it could there are false positives and false, false negatives. False negatives, like you miss some problem. Well, without using it, you miss it for, for sure. If it happens, yeah. like, so still unpolished software is still beneficial. False positives are annoying. It says, oh, you need this violation. Okay, it's easy to check and verify. Yeah, exactly. Right. For, so it's quite a nice failure case. For corruption, slightly more complex, of course. For example, it says, oh, there is corruption index. Well, in this case, you can just rebuild it on this machine, this very machine. You rebuild it and check again. If it still says corruption in the same place, probably it's false positive. Because you fix it already. Rebuilding fixes it. Yes, so that's so that's I guess where we should be going is how do you fix the, some of these issues and with indexing it's relative or with B-tree indexes is it, because it's what an ordering it? issue. Yeah, normally right re reindexing should fix the ordering because you're reindexing with the new collation. So it, that's the fix. And as you say, if you, if it shows again, it should it'll be a false positive. Although I, I guess that would then mean it's a bug in Amjek, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, worth mentioning again, uh, Postgres versions 14.0.1.2.3 are super bad because if you use uh, uh, reindex, create index, reindex concurrently, uh, you might have uh, corruption. And in this case, if you use the same version on this verification machine and Amcheck says corruption, you rebuild it with concurrently again, probably it says corruption again, not good. Concurrently option in uh, create index and reindex is super cool. But uh, it has long trail of bugs, unfortunately. And if uh, if we run a check on this clone, non-production, I would verify all findings with regular uh, index. That's a good shout. Which is more reli reliable. Because you don't have read people reading, right? Like you're not worried about the lock. Single locks. user machine, right? It's faster too, right? In, in this case, if, if even if uh, I was running 14.0, uh, and corruption uh, came from production because of the use of concurrently option. Here I would, uh, Amcheck find that I, I run reindex and Amcheck shouldn't find it anymore. It means it's yep. not false positive, right? I, we go, Good point. but, but uh, Amcheck for Bitrate is quite reliable. It shouldn't produce false positives. Like it's quite broadly used and uh, well tested and uh, like production tested. Amcheck with this patch for uniqueness violation, of course, different story. And also I'm check with patch, which also the same, like it's, it's ready for committer, but not, uh, won't happen in Postgres 16, unfortunately. I'm check for gist and gene indexes. Long awaited thing. It's very also needed. Andre Bardin also participated in this. And uh, uh, this patch, I tested myself, I uh, applied it to Amcheck and started to test. I saw false positives. And uh, I was told that there, are, there were many false positives in the beginning. But a lot of them were fixed already, so it it has version, it, it has many iterations already. So I would consider this quite good, and I encourage people to try it in non-production. You again, you still need non-production because of this exclusive log. Yeah. Andre mentioned some improvements for future Postgres uh, that will probably make possible to run check in production in a less aggressive way. But currently, uh, like I prefer. I'm checking on the clone where I can do more things and so on. Utilize the whole course, the disks and so on. It's, easier, it's, it's better. So that's probably it with Amcheck.
Uh, again, I, I'm looking forward to having uh, GIST and GIN support and also uniqueness violation support uh, in future versions of OmCheck, um, uh, but we can already start using them, taking just patches, right? What else? The visibility map, there is uh, also some uh, tool to check visibility map corruption because it's not good to have it as well, right, if it happens. PG visibility... I think this episode could easily be like three hours long. I suspect we could right. go on for a long time. Yeah. But there was a, there's a few good posts that I wanted to mention. And mention, mention my document. It has lots of information. If you find something it's missing, let me know. I will put it. I'm trying to collect everything about corruption. And it's a very broad topic. It has like many directions. Nice. I look forward to reading that. There's one by Cybertech that's quite a fun post of um, Lawrence, I believe, going through about giving quite a few examples of ways to corrupt the database, which is quite a nice way of learning the kinds uh, of things you can do to end up. Go on. How to cor how to corrupt your how how to corrupt? It's it's interesting uh, area of DBA practice. Uh, let's corrupt yeah. uh, to learn. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned I, I I remember something like uh, corruption related to Xidra uh, round. Is it is it this topic? Is this post or no? I can't remember that one. Sorry, it's okay. How to corrupt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember it. I have it in my list. Yeah, it's it's a good good. There are two posts uh, on Cybertech about corruption. One about Xidra Prout, and another is is just about uh, corruption. There's also interesting uh, tool uh, Noija from Alexey Lisovsky. It's like how to damage your Postgres. <laughs> a, a tool just just to learn and practice uh, how to escape from various situations, right? We we didn't cover cases when you have corruption. How to do it? Like of course, PG reset reset um, uh, wall is wall, a tool. Yeah. It it will take time, and uh, you definitely need to back up before. I use it several times in my practice. One case was interesting when Postgres was running on, on top of NFS in AWS, and got corrupted. But fortunately, only one table was corrupted. It was PG statistic. So it was super easy to wow. fix. Just analyze whole database. It's it's rebuilt. Yeah, but to find the proper like what's corrupted, it take it took time, like half an hour at least, and it was nervous because uh, it was under pressure from clients. So yeah, and I remember like some cases takes hours or day to to fix and to escape uh, with some data, data losses. So it's it's a huge topic. There's one more final thing I wanted to mention. There's a good presentation i think it was quite an old one from christoph pettus that the slides are available online i'll check and see if i can find the talk as well but i thought the slides alone were very good and that was detailing a previous case so you talked about the 14.0 index and re-index concurrently corruption issue there was also apparently one that i wasn't aware of back in 9.3.1 so even in a minor release there was a case yeah, let me mention a few names as well. I mentioned nice. Andrei Bradin, a lot of work related to ARMCheck indexes and so on. Of course, Peter Gagan and tools uh, work in B3 indexes and so on, and also a tool called PG Hacks Edit. I use it a few times. You need Linux for it, but it's still like very good thing. And on top of uh, Page Inspect, visualize B3s and, and, and uh, other types of indexes as well. Also, Thomas Wondra, PG Check, PG Cut Check from Enterprise DB, by the way, interesting thing. What was it called? PG cut check, catalog check. I think I it's know. about, yeah, I, I'm not sure it could be applied to regular Postgres, but the, uh, like, it, 
catalog checker to find corruption in the system catalogs. It's also an interesting topic. Worth exploring as well. PG Toolkit by Betran Druvo. Sorry, like pronunciation wrong. But also there is a PG Toolkit. Or also works by Jeremy Schneider, good posts and uh, talks as well and so on. Interesting materials by J- Jeremy Schneider from AWS team. Well, yeah, a lot of stuff. Wonderful. And if people can only take one thing away from this, what should they, maybe they should restore, like check their backups. What would you, what would your number one advice? Be? Check, check backups with, uh, point, with Wallstream. Dump it to de- def null, causing reads of data. Add uncheck for B3. And uh, oh, of course, enable checksums, right? Enable che- data checksums. If you want to go further, use visibility map checks on right on production. Also use patched uncheck to verify gist engine if you have any in non-production on, on after backup restoration and also uniqueness violation and many more tools like I mentioned with PG cut check and so on and so on and Ooh. so on. It's like it's a rabbit hole. One more thing, read release notes even for minor version releases. Because like, yeah. if, if there are if there are any Postgres bugs causing issues like this, they will be mentioned in there with mitigation steps. Sorry, I for completely forgot that one. I didn't mention many good names as well, sorry, like it's a, it's a big list. Uh PG checksums it's from Creative. And it it went to nice. Postgres core in Postgres twelve. Very cool. Yeah. Well good. Uh, if Nikolai forgot to mention anybody, it's a definite case of corruption. Uh, he's just mentioned all his friends. That's it. No, if I if I if I got to mention something, I mentioned it. It just was not recorded. Oh yeah, good one. Blame the internet connection. Recording corruption, right, right. right. Yeah. So if you if you have more ideas, uh, please tell us in on Twitter, LinkedIn, in uh, mm-hmm. comments, uh, YouTube, anywhere, and uh, help me collect. This is community effort. Like ninety nine percent of what is there? It's not from me. I'm like a hub. And these documents are quite good. You, like, if you take any of this document, you can find work for any DBA for a year at least in serious projects. Definitely for a year. Like, a lot of stuff. Last bad joke from me for today. Uh, would you consider your work a collation? <laughs> okay. Okay. It's time. Thanks, everybody. Good ending point. Right. Catch you next week. Have Bye. a good Yeah, bye.